Welcome to the introductory episode of Horror is in Session. I am your host, Professor Reina Cervantes, and I am here with my student, Kayla. Hi, I'm Kayla. Um, I'm really into new horror, and I've been wanting to get into old horror since, like, growing up, I always thought of horror in, like, a little box, and now that I'm older, I see that horror is a lot more than I thought it was, so Reina's going to teach me all that she knows. Yeah, that's pretty much the goal of this entire podcast is to kind of not have it be so gatekeepy, just have it be more open to newbies and experts alike. And today's guest, I'm joined by a self-proclaimed horror aficionado, Mads. Hi, um, I'm Maddie. I'm a film journalism minor with a focus on horror. Um, So I mostly study the development of horror from the 30s through today. Wonderful. That keeps in theme with our first episode, which is Dracula. The main focus of this episode is going to be the first three Universal Dracula films. Dracula from 1931, Dracula's Daughter from 1936, and Son of Dracula from 1943. And we may have some supplementary conversations afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's get this right off the right off the bat going film number one is dracula released in 1931 directed by todd browning and starring bella lugosi as count dracula and edward von sloan as van helsing it was a risk for universal studios at the time but ended up accumulating more than seven hundred thousand dollars in profit which adjusted for inflation is about 11 million dollars resulting in the largest profit for them in the year 1931 and is generally credited with kickstarting the universal monster horror cycle so, Kayla, you just watched this for the first time recently, correct? Yeah, um, I had seen, I feel like I've seen pictures of Bella Lugosi's um, Dracula, but I've never actually, like, taken it into account, like, watching the film, or even that it was, like, such an old film, because Dracula is, like, such, like, a, I feel like it's, like, a reoccurring, like, character in, like, a bunch of, like, like kids' movies, like, funny movies, you know, like, it's just, like, always brought up. So, like, I didn't know that, like, that originated, like, in 1931 or that it was, like, a book from the 1800s. But I was actually, I was was kind of surprised about how, like, slow it was. I think overall that Bella Lugosi, like, really stood out as, like, Dracula. But I felt like the writing was, like, a little, like, it could have been more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bella Lugosi really ends up kind of being, like, that, like, when you think Dracula, like, the image of, like, the widow's peak and like the way he holds his cape it all stems back to bella lugosi now mads what's your experience with this film yeah so i oof, i saw this probably for the first time in like second or third grade wow yeah i've been a big horror fan since first first or second grade um my brother is much older than me and uh His favorite genre is horror, so it's just always been mine as well. Um, So I've seen this, like, many times. But I rewatched it last night, and um, it was so fun to, like, go back to it and take notes and really, like, think about some of the symbolism in the film. So I really enjoyed it. I was really excited. Awesome. Cool. I'm glad to hear you have plenty of experience with this. (laughs) Um, I guess what I really want to ask is, Kayla, like, as a new horror fan, having not seen this movie kind of jumping into this movie for the first time this iconic horror film what were your thoughts on it as 
going in completely blind about it. Um, I thought, like, it was really, I thought it was great just because, like, like, I'm really into, like, that age of film, and I really only recently got into that age of film in the past couple years because I started college and started going to, like, film classes where they actually show you, like, films from the 1930s. I've never been, like, exposed to that, so at first it's kind of jarring because it is very different, but, like, seeing horror like in like a 1930s like style of film I thought it was really beautiful to see I just think like everything just like looks super like aesthetic and everything and just like how everybody talks and how everybody acts like so outrageously um I obviously I didn't think it was like scary or anything but I, I did think it was like I think they do uncomfortable uncomfortability a lot mo- more like back in those like era films I think they did really well. I was like un- very uncomfortable at times. <laughs> yeah, they really capture like the gothic vibe, like the way mm-hmm. Dracula's castle looks with the giant spider webs and mm-hmm. the random animals running about, even like armadillos for some reason. <laughs> yeah, real armadillos. I was yeah. like, wait, are those those are real animals? <laughs> His castle's located in Arizona. They just don't tell you that. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> is it still there? I actually believe it was just a set in LA on like the Universal Studios back lot. I don't know the exact stage it was. Mm -hmm. I'll have to get back to you on that. But um, yeah, it really introduced like all the landmarks of what we think today as gothic horror. But Mm -hmm. the reason it's so slow, I feel like a lot of people don't know this is that it's actually based on the Broadway adaptation of Dracula mm-hmm. for which Bela Lugosi played the part on stage, which the Broadway adaptation massively cuts down like a lot of the stuff you would expect from a Dracula adaptation. That makes sense. And yeah. like they didn't start really doing effects and stuff until later on, which I mean, they could have dabbled in like other things, I feel like. Yeah, no transformations in this movie, and the bat is clearly a bat on a string. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, Maddie, what are you? What are some of your thoughts on this movie? Actually, uh, um, Kyla hit something that I mostly made note of, which is my favorite thing about um, old Hollywood and especially Universal horror films is how just glamorous and beautiful that they are. Um, especially with the wives. I don't want to get too into it because I don't know where our conversation is going, but um, just they were so ethereal. And I feel like um, old horror does such a good job at making it beautiful, whereas new horror is mostly gory um, and stuff like that, which I enjoy as well. But uh, I don't know. There's something so um, just gorgeous about the Gothic style and... um, how they went about it. And I, I love this movie for that reason. So that was honestly what I wanted to talk about the most. I, I love that you agree, Kyla, because it's like the best part to me. But yeah, that's my main, my main yeah. So like going off of, you know, your interpretation of the wives, like, is there any like symbolism you saw there? Because for me, I was like kind of disappointed in the way they handled like the women in Mm -hmm. the first Dracula. I was just kind of disappointed. I thought that the woman would like have a better role, 
or mm-hmm. just because I went, I wasn't like necessarily disappointed, disappointed because back then, you know, they treat women how they did. But yeah. I was th- then I was very surprised because like the women had like such big roles in the second and third Dracula, but in the first yeah. one, they're kind of like you know in the corner. Yeah, actually, it's so interesting. I love hearing your perspective as someone who hasn't seen it before because <laughs> I feel like that's something I didn't think of as a kid, obviously. So I never thought of it again. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's so cool to hear like a newcomer's like perspective on how women are treated in the film and stuff. That's really interesting. Which is exactly this whole point of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like bringing in new perspectives kind of opens up a lot more conversation about the film because, you know, me being part of the horror community, sometimes the same conversations get regurgitated over and over. Uh But, uh, I'm really, I'm really intrigued by your thought process behind that, uh, Kyla. Um, did you guys have like any opinions on the, or what, what is said about the women in Dracula One that I, I'm not aware of? You want to take this away, Mats? I don't really feel like you particularly missed anything. I feel like no. your interpretation of that is totally valid and correct. Um, I feel like they're more of a scene as like a vessel almost to portray Dracula's like sensuality um which I feel like is very important to his character and so they're kind of used as a vessel to show like he had these beautiful wives that um were just flowing like almost ghost-like in how they moved and looked and um yeah I think that you're completely valid in in your interpretation of that however he was just a player that saw the yeah, exactly. as a property. Vampires have always been portrayed as like just sexually promiscuous, which I feel like draws a lot of people towards those movies. And in the 30s, I feel like that's as far as they could get away with it. You know, at that point, obviously Dracula's daughter goes into it more. But yeah, what do you think right now? No, I 100% agree with that. I think there's something just overly, overtly, not overtly, but kind of subliminally sexual about about vampirism. Um, And I think to fully tell that story of Dracula, the novel in 1930s, it just wasn't possible at the time with the type of content that was allowed in filmmaking at at that point. but I definitely do see the women in that movie as more of like just victims or property of Dracula. Mm-hmm. Like he, like he stakes his claim on them. Um, but yeah. yeah, that pretty much nailed the the, the yeah. nail on the head. Yeah, he's a little bit bisexual though. Oh yeah, oh yeah, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. I feel like vampires to me have always had this like sexual fluidity that I've enjoyed yeah. seeing, like. Um, and realizing it more and more as I get older, um, but that that can be a conversation for another time. But <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, so that's a good let's... segue into Dracula's daughter. Yeah. So, film number two is Dracula's Daughter, released in 1936, directed by Lambert Heiler, and starring Gloria Holden as Myra Zaleska, Dracula's daughter, and Edward von Sloan as Dracula. As Van Helsing, not Dracula. (laughs) Picking up moments after the ending of the first film, Dracula's Daughter features overt lesbian overtones, a rarity in horror and film at the time. 
This film also featured a troubled pre-production with the rights to the material almost reverting to MGM had the film not hit its February 1936 production start date. Kyla, what did you think of this movie? I liked Dracula's daughter a lot more, especially since there was like a leading woman. I think I always like, you know, go for the films with a leading woman because I can really relate. Um, and I just thought it was so interesting that like she had that like back and forth and that there was a lot of conflict there because I think like in the first film I, I was missing like what the true conflict there that um, of the movie was you know and so like I really felt for her and I was in it you know I was I was kind of sad for her yeah no definitely um, I just want to start my my bit of the conversation on this by saying i love how this movie picks up right at the end of dracula like yeah like literally it's like the ending of dracula where van helsing like stakes dracula in the heart and like literally the beginning of this movie is like the bobbies coming down the stairs going like hey what happened oh wait mate <laughs> but uh though that it came out like five years after though a hundred percent and and it's crazy because it's like oh five years later and edward von sloan looks exactly the same yeah. as he did okay. but uh i'm sorry you were gonna say no no, no 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 you, you you talk you talk <laughs> oh i was gonna say the influence that that particular moment has on film like mm -hmm. is is seen later on like in like how 1978's Halloween ends and then the 1981 <laughs> sequel Halloween 2 picks up literally moments after that ended and was also made by Universal. In fact, I think even mm -hmm. the filmmakers of that said it was like a tribute to that. Wow. wow. I'm so, Raina, I'm so glad you said that because I was so embarrassed that my notes were, I'm just so happy that it picks up right after the first one leaves <laughs> off. Right. <laughs> I I feel like I feel like sequels are sort of afraid to be sequels and like the last Jedi not to bring up a different like type of movie but I just love sequels that are brave enough to just really pick up where it left off like and yes Halloween I was thinking oh my gosh I just am so glad you said that because I thought I was going to be alone in that feeling <laughs> I'm for, so happy. for the for the record, we made it 15 minutes in without mentioning Star Wars. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're dealing with three Star Wars nerds. Sorry, guys. Um. But, yeah, I was just, that was, like, my, one of my bigger takeaways of, like, enjoyment in Dracula's Daughter. Um, so I'm so glad that, that and, you agree. That's great. And, it, and, and, like, the first half of the movie plays, like, this, like, oh, investigation of Van Helsing, like, did he kill an innocent man or is he telling the truth that he like actually killed like this like creature of the night and for a while they're they're like kind of portraying as like oh he might have just went crazy and killed an innocent person yeah and i really like that and then of course uh myra comes into the picture and the film just takes on this whole different tone um let's let's talk about that the the main scene of this movie that everyone talks about the with, with, the, with the other girl yes, yes. I'm, glad, yeah. okay. I'm glad you were thinking the same thing. <laughs> yes. oh my uh, gosh so uh kyla what, what was your take on that scene 
Oh, I just, I just, for a second, I really did believe that she was going to be able to um, just not um, be a vampire. Um, but also, like, it was just so sexual when she just, like, oh, my gosh, when she, like, started taking her shirt off a little bit. I was like, wow, okay, I see it. And then it's just, like, such, like, it can be so metaphorical like is she like resisting like vampirism or is she resisting like homosexuality like mm -hmm. you know i just i think it's just so interesting and i wish i could like get into like the directors and writers heads of that time and be like were you really trying to say this or like am i just you know interpreting this for myself and and i think that wraps around to what what mads was saying about vampirism being like a metaphor almost for yeah. sexual fluidity. Matt, do you want to you want to elaborate a little bit more on yeah. that? Well, I feel like um, as you guys know, villains and monsters have been queer coded since like the beginning of villains and you know what I mean. Like, uh, there's always been this this coding for them, which I find so like compelling. And also, sure, it is prob problematic in like its beginnings, but um, I feel like. Um, there is like this sexual like fluidity of of course of vampires like that's how they are portrayed in everything but also just um, like the monster horror genre as a whole uh, I feel like you could make that argument that there has always been that coding there within the within the film industry and I don't know I just feel like vampires are the greatest example of that they are always hypersexualized, especially like as time goes on, even looking at um, the Van Helsing movie, like how uh, they coded their, the female vampires in that film. Um, but uh, yeah, I just feel like it's something that I've always seen as part of being a vampire. There's this like gothic glamor and sexuality that they have that no other monster really has. Um, and I just enjoy that a lot. I find it very interesting see also I, I i read the film a little bit as like um of like how sexually repressed people were pre-world war ii yep <laughs> like everything was just so hush hush and it's like don't give in to your primal carnal urges like mm -hmm. like suppress that hide it do whatever you can to get rid of it and i feel like that's an even more like the film itself is an allegory for that with Myra searching for a cure for vampirism like yeah. she, does, she doesn't want to be a vampire so much so that she's like willing to do all these semi heinous or not heinous depending on who you are acts throughout the movie to try and reach that ultimate goal yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, I love her eyebrows yes yeah. <laughs> well, Gloria Holden was great it was actually not known for horror at the time and, and didn't want to do the movie yes yep <laughs> yeah very surprising I mean, well that's why it's just like horror is just like so much more than like like on the surface level that like i feel like a lot of people see it and like how i saw it before so like anybody should you know act in horror write horror i think because like at the end of the day like these stories are about like i feel like very real ex human experiences but just like heightened yeah i feel like in the last five years horror has been like um 
revitalized in the public eye due to like Ari Aster and Jordan Peele. But oh, actors 100%. like <laughs> but like actors even up into the nineties and the two thousands were looked down on like you're at you're flatlining your career if you if you're in a horror film. And it was viewed that way in the thirties as well. Like it's not the glamorous love story. You're like the women might not look as beautiful because they'll be shot in different lighting that's scarier and not glamorous and like they would put in their contract I do not want to be in a horror film like so it's super interesting seeing a film where the vampire was gorgeous and like all of the women were gorgeous because it was something that was like like looked down on so negatively back in that time up until now up until the last five years so I love seeing that but before we move on I wanted to touch briefly upon the ending how about that wild finale (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man you you know a horror movie is gonna get that shit bonkers when a bow and arrow gets involved exactly well and the fact that that's become like so iconic for ben helsing as well like that is i don't know i don't know i love to see it it just makes me happy i mean it's ben helsing. Ending, but, uh so like, like wait no van helsing's the doctor and then are yeah, you saying they yes. made other movies on it oh yeah. yes. oh you okay we're gonna talk about this later because okay okay yeah that might be that might be an idea for another like, episode because the director of, yeah because the director of van helsing did the 1999 brendan fraser mummy movie as okay. well van helsing okay i'm sorry you can cut this out of the podcast if you want to when i was in third grade i watched that every single day for a year you can ask my parents right now i was obsessed with that movie <laughs> like literally my uh, favorite so we're gonna talk about this later because sorry let's move on but okay <laughs> oh this is gonna be a nightmare to edit i'm so sorry Kyla. <laughs> no you're no, fine no, you're fine <laughs> um but yeah that that ending to dracula's daughter i think is actually one of the more shocking and uh kind of bonkers endings to all the universal monster movies you think more shocking than son of dracula that is a brilliant segue into our third movie (laughs) son of dracula son of dracula released in 1943 directed by robert i'm probably gonna butcher this name sayodamak and starring lon cheney jr as count alucard the son of dracula and louise albrechen as Catherine caldwell Featuring a southern gothic setting heavy with noir influence, this film brings the legend of Dracula to the United States of America for the very first time. This was also the first universal Dracula film to show the tropes of vampiric transformation on screen and great physical vampire strength. Mm-hmm. So, Kyla, what did you think of this one? Oh my gosh, this was the best one. Oh, it just like got better as you went, and I was expecting that because you know everybody always says like the original is the best. Not necessarily. I haven't heard that with Dracula, but that's like with everything. It's like the original is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, wow! If you ever like asked me like, is there any film that the third film is like the best? I'd be like, well, it's the, the Dracula films because. It was just such a great story. I didn't know where she was, where her head was at. And she was such like an interesting and like beautiful like character. And I just like was really intrigued by her. And then the whole thing with like the, her husband, I feel like that, like that storyline is seen like so much now and like any other vampire story, like now, like that, it's like a whole like twilight type 
you know, esque like thing back then where she's like she wants them both to be immortal so that they can like live in love together like forever and that's like twilight to its core so that was like funny to me because i was like hey like that's where we see modern day vampire movies and shows you know yeah yeah I feel... oh sorry no 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 go ahead no i feel like um it really the, the bringing in romance to these kinds of stories is so important and again we'll see that more in bram stoker's dracula but i don't know i just agree with you kyla that that that's where these stories have been taken now like even if they are hypersexual like even today um it took it from just you know these are my wives to like this is the one that i love and like now i'm questioning everything about my existence and they are too and it's sad and i love it and i just agree with you <laughs> yeah it's 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 a common misconception that when everyone thinks, oh, Universal Dracula, that like, oh, the Bela Lugosi one is obviously the best. But mm -hmm. I think it's the exact opposite. I think this was actually one of the rare examples where the sequels are vastly superior to the original. And that's not to discredit the original at all, but I felt like the sequels had a lot more to say. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And and, and God knows I am a sucker for that Southern Gothic setting of Southern Dracula. <laughs> Good Lord. Yes. But yeah, the Louisiana Bayou was, was, was a very, very interesting choice in my book. Yeah, I think I connected to it a lot more um, mm -hmm. in that setting than in any of the other two films or even, you know, the Francis Ford one. I just, you know, I felt very like this could be happening to like me type thing if i don't know if that's like a weird thing to say but yeah <laughs> no and no, even no, seeing yeah. like the transition in fashion between the third the early 30s to the 40s like i feel like that has a more familiar feel like that mm -hmm. we would be able to like see recognize and relate to whereas um the 30s is just a different it's it's a whole different like ballpark whereas the 40s has a very like it's been covered in modern media enough to where I feel like it's more recognizable and comfortable almost. So I get what you're saying. And like, yeah, that that's more real to me, you know, I don't know. It's, it's also interesting too, because, because growing up, I had, I had played like all of the Castlevania video games. Uh -huh. <laughs> I did not for the life of me know until I saw this movie that they weren't the first things to come up with like Alucard, which is just yeah. Dracula backward. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you even have that scene in this movie where that guy's like looking at Alucard's trunk and he's like spelling out his name ba backwards like D-R-A-C like yeah. really spelling it out for the audience I just, I just thought it was interesting that even into modern media with like the Castlevania series on Netflix that name Alucard mm -hmm. is like still kind of super relevant in Dracula media yeah yeah and i think it has like a a ring to it too like it's just so like i don't know because not many names you can say backwards and it just has the same effect but this one does mm -hmm. it really does and i feel like this movie like enter entertain the idea of like vampire tropes like i said yes. this is like the first movie where you physically see him transform on screen Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 i see a lot of like i don't see a lot of like one and two 
in the in the Francis Ford Dracula, but I see like number three being like heavily like like the same themes, you know, and as Francis Ford's Dracula. Yeah, and to to wrap around more on like the vampire tropes, the, there's literally that scene in this particular installment where uh, uh, I forget the character's name, but he pulls out the pistol and he starts firing at him and. And I think this is like the first time you see that like guns don't do anything to vampires. Oh yeah. Wait. And also wait, 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 wait. The special effects. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like with the mist and how he like just glides through it and whatnot. Yeah. How? How do they do that? I just it's, want to know. It was that movie magic. I mean, Universal Studios was doing some some crazy stuff in the thirties and forties. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, it was like, how is this possible back then? <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. And um, a point of contention that people bring up with this movie is like, a lot of people believe Lon Chaney Jr., who who plays Count Alucard in this movie, mm. he's more famous and more well known for playing the Wolfman, and a lot <laughs> of people believe he's actually miscast in this role. What did you guys think about his performance in this? Oh. I don't know. I, I disagree with that, honestly. I feel like he is able to transform himself and work so well in both roles, you know, in both ways, you know. So I don't disagree to the extent that, like, he couldn't be seen as bad for Dracula because some people might have, like, a very particular way of how they see Dracula. And this is, like, if it deviates from that way, then they're against it. But I personally thought that the casting was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. So mm -hmm. yeah. I thought it was not memorable for me mm. personally for my first watch. Um, but also I just think like the lead girl was just like so like overwhelmingly like such a great character, such a great actress, you know, such a great story that maybe I was just like, you know, way too entertained by her to notice anybody else yeah <laughs> um it's it's kind of crazy how that character has become like a trope in vampire oh, yeah. movies yeah <laughs> i love it um, as like the girl who wants to like be a vampire yeah dracula's yeah. like main infatuation yeah yeah because he really liked her huh yeah. yeah yeah and 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 you think that like at first that like she's under like this hypnotic spell from him but I believe like the film just kind of toys with the idea of like maybe she's not maybe oh, yeah. she is like actually super into him and like genuinely loves him the film never quite answers that i believe it leaves it up to the audience to figure mm -hmm. out um really? it's also I that she really loved her husband see I... I took from it see i kind of got the opposite that she was uh -huh. like willing to throw away everything yeah i felt this like star-crossed love between them you know what i mean like that her husband was someone that she cared for but not um not the one that was like she passionately wanted to be with that's the vibe i got from it but it's been I, a minute since i've seen this so i may be way off you know i i, I don't think there's any particular right or wrong answer <laughs> and to me that makes it one of the more interesting films in the dracula series yeah um, I, I thought the answer was black and white. So to hear like you guys thinks like see it another way, like it's super interesting. Like I need to go back and like 
you know, see what I missed. Not what I'm missing, but like see what how you guys saw it. Interesting. I wanted to also bring up that for rarity at the time and one of the few Universal monster movies to have this, this movie kind of ends on a downbeat. Mm. It doesn't necessarily have a happy ending. Yeah, I was like, that's why I liked the relationship between Mina and her husband. So for me, for when I saw that, like, he had been the one to, like, kill her. I was like, damn, that's like a hit, you know? Like, yeah. I felt that. Yeah, like they run into the room and like Frank sees like Catherine's coffin like burning and like mm-hmm. he just like starts mourning her. It's like, that's a very downbeat ending for a Universal yeah. Monster movie yeah. where 90% of the time it was the ending was always just the monster being vanquished. It's um, interesting um, that like, I don't know, it's to see the vamp the vampire like in a kind of different light just because like in the first two like i feel like the intentions were so um like like you could you knew what they were thinking but in the third one it was just so confuddled and like um just seemed like she didn't really know what her intentions were as well and seemed like she was getting to her head about these things so it kind of felt in a way at the end like satisfying to see like her put to rest after like her taking to taking like this power on and like you know forming this relationship with Dracula out of maybe not so great intentions. Mm-hmm. No, that's super interesting that that you read it like that, especially for a first time watch. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the first time I ever saw this movie, I was just like, "Oh, this is just a cool vampire flick." <laughs> Oh, I love that. Yeah, um, I, I definitely son of Dracula. I was just sitting there like, damn, like this is this kind of I'm a kind of emotional. <laughs> yeah. Nothing is as ever as satisfying as love, which is yes. a great, which is a great segue into our next film. Bram Stoker's Dracula, released in nineteen ninety two, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> the film was made on a budget of $40 million and grossed over $215.8 million at the box office. The film stars Gary Oldman as Dracula, Winona Ryder as Mina, Anthony Hopkins as Van Helsing, and Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker. <laughs> so, Kyla, this one is an intense watch. What did you think of this? I could not. I'm so sorry. I could not. I was... It's like, it's so, it's a lot. It's really a lot. And I think you just have to be a certain, you just have to like a certain type to enjoy this movie. And I was so disturbed and uncomfortable by it that I could not um, sit through the whole film. I'm so sorry, guys, but I know you love it. So I'm interested to hear everything you have to say. No, that's never something to apologize for. Like, ever. <laughs> that's super it, fair. Especially not, because to, to be new to horror and then watch, like, the Universal yeah. Dracula movies and then jump into the, like, Dracula cranked up to 11 on high gain, it's, it's, it's almost overwhelming to the senses, I would yeah. imagine. Yes, a hundred percent. Especially because, like, I thought that, like, I would, I would love this Dracula since it's like a newer age one, and you know, obviously, sometimes like newer age films are easier to get through. Mm-hmm. But like, 
the the first three Draculas were actually really good for me because they were just you know like I felt like they didn't have to be like anything like a certain way and not that I think that Francis Ford Coppola's has to be a certain way but it obviously is a certain way so I was just very taken back <laughs> Mads you got any thoughts on this particular <sighs> adaptation I love this movie <laughs> I I don't know. I feel like the cast is so impeccable that that's enough for it to be sold to me. You know, it like really Winona. is a fucking wonderful cast. Yeah. Wait, wait. Can, can, can we curse? Can we curse? Did we establish that? I've almost done it so many yes, times. Let's curse. Okay, let's we got okay. it. Right. Yeah. Okay, it's off the table. <laughs> Winona Ryder, Anthony Hopkins, Keanu Reeves, Richard Grant. Like, come on, Miss Carrie Cassis. Always. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. This cast um, is impeccable. <laughs> little little tidbit of trivia. Keanu Reeves was actually not the first choice for Jonathan oh Harker in this movie. Really? Uh, yeah, the first choice was actually uh, Christian Slater. <gasps> yes! Oh wait, 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 wait. Stop, 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 stop. If they did Christian Slater, like, I would watch the whole film. Oh, my God. <laughs> it would have been a Heather's reunion with him and Winona Ryder. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's my favorite couple. Like, don't, don't, wait, don't That's bully so me, fun. but I love that couple. <laughs> you know what? We're uh, here for it. I'm, I'm here for it. Heather's is one of my favorite movies. I'm, I'm not going to explain. We, we go, how did we all get in a room and we all think Heather's is one of our favorite movies? Yeah, it's I, I love I that. I don't know other people who think it's like their favorite movie. That's one of my comfort movies. I love it. <laughs> okay, okay, go on. So sorry, go on. Um, Christian Slater has actually gone on record in the years following saying he's actually regretted not taking the role of Jonathan Harker. That's I regret great. it as well. <laughs> I think everybody does because I think the biggest criticism anybody has for this movie is that Keanu Reeves performance. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. I just have so much affection for him. <laughs> as like, does everybody. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, oh, you know what? I love to see it anyway. Good for it's, you. It's, it's, it's like Hungarian set, though, and he's talking with like almost a Southern California accent. <laughs> no, you're so right. That's so funny. It, it's it's like Ted got transported to, into a Dracula novel. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I, I just want to say my love for this movie stems for the mm-hmm. fact that so far, so far in quotations, this is the most book accurate adaptation of the source material they were allowed to do so much more by that time which is so awesome to see yeah that they were willing to adapt this book that should translate into like a 20-hour movie into something that's pretty faithful um i believe the only thing that's really not following the novel is the fact that they made dracula vlad the impaler which uh I think is an interesting question mark choice. Yeah. I don't know. How do you, is that how do you get to from now? That? Is that where the pale vampire stems from now? So, so Bram Stoker, who mm-hmm. was the author of the original novel, created the character because he was inspired by Vlad the Impaler, mm. who was this conqueror known for like impaling people on spikes and rumored to have drank their blood. So in the Coppola adaptation, they, he made Dracula and Vlad the Impaler one in the same. Oh, I was thinking of Pale. I thought you said Pale. 
Oh, oh okay. no, no, that, okay, that makes more sense. Okay, okay, oh, so, I so, see, so they wanted to draw where the inspiration came from, and you weren't quite keen on that? Uh, I just don't know how I feel about Dracula as, like, at the beginning, you see him in, like, that suit of armor, and he's, like, this conqueror, and, and just, like, all buff with the long hair and everything. It's, like, I know there's no, like, definitive look of Dracula, but to me, I didn't find that, that, that portrayal very fascinating. What about you guys? I want to hear Tyler's thoughts. <laughs> what? Oh, me? I don't know. I Yeah, I guess in the, I guess it's jarring. The first scene is very jarring just because I think I'm going into like a Dracula vampire movie and to like get this like, is it Victorian era or maybe I'm just making that up um, type, you know, like Roman stuff. Like it's just, I guess it, do, it doesn't like hook you, in, hook it didn't hook me in as I thought it would. And maybe if they just start would have started with like the vampire stuff that they were or like they that they go into later, that it would have like helped me like you know be more into it from the get go. Matt, <laughs> any thoughts on Dracula's portrayal in this movie? Yeah, I I personally like like I I feel like this is just how I view Dracula. This was like again one of my introductions to the character. And so, like, to me, this is Dracula. Um, and I love the idea of, like, seeing him beautiful and just, like, hideous as well. I love the, um, just the difference in the two. And I think that it's a very interesting and um, compelling take that they, they had, you know. So, I don't know. I enjoy it a lot personally, but. I, I will say the interesting aspect of that is is um at the beginning where he like runs into that throne room and stabs the cross like as a rejection of religion and like drinks the blood from it mm -hmm. is that like the vampirism is like almost like a curse mm -hmm. like like he was never wanting to be a vampire or anything it was just this curse that he had laid upon him for mm -hmm. rejecting religion and denouncing god's name I don't know i just i just thought that aspect was super interesting because for vampire movies like yeah they're fader crosses and whatnot but like it was never really like justified or explained like why that's their weaknesses um and i also thought it was interesting how dracula starts the movie as as like this old frail being and the more he feeds the younger he gets and that's ripped straight from the novel that's some disney shit yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, the more souls I consume, the more beautiful I become. Um, yeah, it's it's just. I mean, it's it's like this adaptation is at once the most faithful and like the, almost the most experimental at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, especially in regards to Mina, Winona Ryder's character, and. Uh, yeah, there's some works. like Phantom of the Opera stuff going on. Yeah. Is that what I interpreted? Well, the fact that the tagline for the film was "Love Never Dies" that's like that just gives such strong Phantom vibes. I love it. <laughs> it, yeah? it, it. It like gives it, it. It plays around with the idea that that Dracula's fascination with her is like 
oh, could she be the reincarnation of his wife that committed suicide at the beginning? Mm-hmm. And like at first, you're just like, no, she's like her own person. She's Mina. But then it's like, <gasps> is she the reincarnation Whoa. of her? Mansion, the Eddie Murphy movie. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. I was thinking of that oh too. My oh my god, Sorry. I didn't even think about that until we were talking about it. But that's so funny. I love it. Yeah, it's in Disney stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't um, realize what exactly. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Well, that and also just like the because like the him like um, having to drink more mm-hmm. blood to get younger is like also like um, oh yeah Rapunzel oh yeah and then Tangled and then also Snow White <laughs> obviously mm-hmm. yeah uh, you guys are the more Disney as- experts than me <laughs> yeah sorry we're Disney we're, we're Disney buffs as well so I don't know I was seeing those but have you seen Haunted Mansion Raina. Oh, like once in the theater. Oh my gosh! Oh my okay, gosh. So, it. It's exactly like. Yeah, I, okay, okay. I, I'm predicting like a Disney episode in the future, maybe. <laughs> it honestly feels very inspired by this. Like now, looking back on it, the plot yeah. feels heavily inspired by this. I, I, I think it'd be interesting for you to watch just for that reason. Um, yeah. Yeah. Disney's anyway. the Haunted Mansion, inspired by Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> now I've heard it all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, no, that's a super interesting take. That just kind of goes to show that kind of the pop culture impact that this particular adaptation mm-hmm. is at. Because this one, you always see like when the Simpsons do their Halloween episodes and like Mr. Burns is a vampire. He always looks like the Gary Oldman Dracula with yeah. like the buns in his hair and everything. This this version, I feel, really sticks in people's minds, whether they've seen the whole thing or not. So what's uh, your favorite part? Like both of you, what's your favorite part of the of the movie? Like the theme or like character? Well, if we're talking favorite part, my favorite thing in this entire movie is when they go and kill Lucy. Like, oh my the tomb. Oh it's my like gosh. one of the most goriest, yeah. over the top, just assault on the senses scenes. I don't know if you got to that scene, Kyla. Yes. I don't know. Okay, I'll, I'll YouTube it. Like uh. <laughs> Like, Lucy's already, like, succumbed to being a vampire, and they find her in the tomb, and Van Helsing and Dr. Seward and all of them, they go in there to kill her, and they, like, hold up across to her face and force her, like, into the coffin, and she's, like, starts puking up blood all over them, and and they, like, grab a stake, and, like, Carrie always is the one to grab the stake and, like, put it in her chest, and he's just, like, screaming at the top of his his lungs as he's like pounding it in her chest mm-hmm. and like lightning's going off it's like a very like theatrical over the top like like scene yeah. that that when i think of this movie that is the scene that comes mm-hmm. to mind that and wow. it's all practical effects so it's just absolutely like batshit bonkers looking <laughs> maddie what about you i love how just goth this movie is i don't know if that makes sense but it if it was yeah, it if it was any more goth it would have an evanescence soundtrack yeah. like this is just such a good just like i don't know the aesthetic but like it's got that new age like feel to it it's not just like i don't know how to describe it with color the use of color all of it it's so goth in like the best way and i just adore that and also Winona Ryder but yeah Yeah. I I feel like watching that film like it made me 
feel it made me feel like if I could smell that film, it would smell like Hot Topic. Yes, that's exactly how I feel. So that's why I love it because it's my childhood. Oh my god, <laughs> I love that. Am I wrong? No, it's like the two movies that would smell like that are that in the 2004 Phantom of the Opera. Yes. Yeah, no, it has kind of, you both have said this, but it does have like in the costume design and everything. And it has this feeling that Phantom has that I adore so much. And it's just very big and elaborate. Yes. Yeah. Which I feel like if you're going to do Dracula, like go hard or go home, you know, like you have to go all out. It's too iconic to not. So I love that. But Speaking of go hard or go home adaptations of Dracula, this segues into our final conversation, the future of Dracula. So in March 2020, it was announced that a Dracula reboot was in development from Blumhouse Productions, who produced the successful 2020 reboot of The Invisible Man. No studio is attached to distribute, but it's worth noting that, noting that Universal has a first-look deal with Blumhouse. Mm-hmm. The adaptation is set to be directed by Karen Kasama, known for Destroyer and Jennifer's Body, and written by her regular collaborators Matt Manfredi and Phil Hay, who also wrote Destroyer and her film The Invitation. Kasama promises her version will be, quote, fairly faithful to the original Bram Stoker novel. Dracula has not yet been cast, but who would you like to see in the famous role in this modern updating? Ooh. That's interesting. I mean, I would, the thing too, I think that like, I think Dracula is so fun um, and, and, and like interesting and important because it does ex- like explore homosexual themes and because Karen um, has done homosexual themes in Jennifer's body, I hope that we can see more of that. Yeah. Um, but, other, but like as an actor, gosh, I don't know. You guys go first. I have to think. Mads, you got one? Gosh. Okay. I have a gut one that I'm not going to say, but I go think with the gut one. No. Go with I the know gut one. You're going to say Adam Driver. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, but I feel like I had I had to come up with a second option because I just feel like he would look so good as like yeah. in that. Oh shit! Did I guess Adam Driver? Yeah, you were. Yeah, right. you're right. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's embarrassing. <laughs> but that's excited. embarrassing. So I'm not going to have that as my final answer, even though. <laughs> every time but the second person when I was like rejecting that I rejected it inside myself and I said who's the second person you think of and for some reason um I just really want to see Lakeith Stanfield in this role I feel like he's such a good like character and like he can do creepy so well you know what I mean like he just can do creepy and I feel like he could really do the sensuality and the creepiness of Dracula like I just, I'm here for it. That's who my second is. So, so would, uh, would you want it to be book accurate with the setting and everything? Or would you want like it to be book accurate with like a modern setting? Honestly, I feel like we have been given so much book accurate, not, okay. Not so much book accuracy, but we've seen vampire or, uh, Dracula in like the same setting so many times. If I feel like if they got the plot right, and they modernized it, I feel like they could do it beautifully. Not even modern to, like, today, but maybe modern to, like, 60 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like we have... uh, If the plot was focused on more than the setting, that it could be really, really well done. But 
that's my that's my pick. So I want to hear what you oh, guys yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Um, my number one choice is actually uh, Logan Marshall Green <gasps> from The Invitation mm-hmm. and uh, Upgrade. Um, I kind of gravitated towards him because he's already worked with directors that have been directing these Universal Monster reboots. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Lee Wano, who did The Invisible Man, worked with him on Upgrade, but he's also worked with Karen Kasama in The Invitation. Mm-hmm. And to me, I just feel he's a very underrated actor. But when he gives, when he gets like room to stretch his legs, he f- kind of flexes like no yeah. other. Yeah, the invita- his work in The Invitation is just, oh. it, it proved what he could do, I feel like. And, 100%. Oh my gosh. Anyway, that's an incredible pick. I, I would love to see that. And uh, and he could get physical with the role too, because mm-hmm. like the way the, the shit he does in Upgrade is like, that's a very physical movie and he's like destroying people. I could just, I could just easily imagine him as Dracula. And I agree with you. I would, I think I would want a book accurate adaptation, but I think I would want one in a modern setting, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. replace the castles with like city skylines yes. and whatnot. And we've seen him with long hair and he looks great. So it's perfect. <laughs> Make it so we're like, they do the queen of the damned angle and Dracula's like part of a rock band. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Um, oh. Kyla, have you had time to think on one? Yeah. I mean, I'm really blanking and my answer is super boring and it would never happen. Um, I just think it'd be like so funny, but also so interesting to have Robert Pattinson just be a, like a vampire again oh, in like a super God. prominent role but like in a su- entirely different you know way like mm-hmm. I don't know I just think it'd be like I know that's like a cheesy answer no no I, no that's <laughs> that's not he's one of my favorite actors no. of all time yeah it'd just be so interesting you know just yeah. to like contrast those two He's a fantastic I, I, actor. Like, that's an amazing pick, yeah. actually. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't feel like he is, like, beneath that either because, yeah. I mean, look, look, he's, like, going back to, like, kind of the vampire imagery with Batman. Yep, yep. He's the that bat. Such, yep. like, like, a talk, you know, if that mm-hmm. ever happened, though, just because just Twilight, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it would be interesting. I would. I think. I think he would do it alone yeah. just to watch the internet blow up and yeah. have discourse around it. That's, um, that's such a fantastic pick. Like, absolutely. <laughs> that's awesome. I, ne- ne- never say never. I never thought he that's would true. do like a mainstream Hollywood movie again, and he's doing mm-hmm. the Batman now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. So, so our three picks are the Keith Stanfield, Logan Marshall Green, and Robert Pattinson. Good picks. I am. I am. I. I think each one of those actors would bring something super unique to the role. Same. Um, Also, man, holy crap! Just Karen Kasama doing a Dracula movie. That is like Jennifer's body is like one of the best like horror movies of the last like twenty years. Shaped me as a child. No. Yeah. Kyla and I have talked about this multiple times, but that is. Again, one of my favorite movies of all time. Just, yeah, and yeah absolutely incredible. So yeah, and I genuinely believe that she would mess around with like the homoeroticism, mm-hmm. yeah, and all she... the super sexual themes. Yeah, because with Jennifer's body, like even like when she made Jennifer's body, that was still like very hush hush. Like homosexuality in film was still really like 
like bad like the representation wasn't great back then so for her to like take that risk with jennifer's body and then now you know the climate the political climate now like 100 <laughs> percent she doesn't oh. be disappointed yeah i mean yeah she hasn't really disappointed me yet yes. i think the only time she got close was aeon flux <laughs> but even then yeah <laughs> um but yeah so that is our conversations on Dracula. Dracula. You guys, you guys have anything to say before we wrap this up? Um, I'm just so excited to learn about the other universal monsters now. Just like having mm-hmm. the basis of Dracula. I'm like, okay, let me get into like, you know, um, Frankenstein's monster and all that, you know? It's, it's that gateway. And that's, like I said, that's what provoked universal like the success of dracula to make other Mm -hmm. monster movies it kind of birthed the horror genre exactly um mads did you have anything to add before we wrap this up no i i'm just so grateful you guys had me on here i love talking about this so i i Um, love these movies and um they they hold up they continue to hold up for me so i'm glad i got to rewatch them for this wonderful well we enjoyed having you thanks so much for coming on (laughs) yeah so kyla where can we find you um you can find me at kyla ren so kyla k-a-i-l-a underscore ren on twitter and all my other stuff is on there mads where can we find you yeah so uh my at on twitch instagram and twitter is uh at maddie m-a-d-d-i-e underscore amidala like pate amidala so that's where you'll find me. <laughs> and then mine, you can find at JFC Doom D O O M Blade on Twitter. And I am also a staff writer at ScreenQueens.com where you can find most of my work being published. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope to see you guys all very soon. <laughs>